Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey, folks, before we talk to Donna Halper, I got to tell you about our Patreon page at BobSeskaShow.com, the best way to support this fully independent podcast. You can sign up for as little as a dollar a month or as much as $15 a month. In fact, if you sign up at the $15 per month level, you're going to get our Tuesday and Thursday shows presented without commercials. We take out all the commercials for you. Plus, you're also going to get two post-mortem mini shows recorded after the credits on our Tuesday and Thursday podcast. And you're also going to get the subscription-only after-party podcast on Fridays with its review discussions about sex, drugs, rock and roll, and politics. Again, that's bobseskashow.com or click the all caps Patreon link beneath the logo at bobseska.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, September 23, 2020, and this is the interview edition of the Bob Seska Show on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. My guest today is a regular here on the Wednesday show. The great Donna Halper returns today. Blogger extraordinaire, associate professor of media communications, former radio DJ, and the discoverer of Rush, my favorite band in the whole wide world. Today we'll talk about the press coverage of Trump as we approach the election, plus... We'll talk about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the Biden campaign, the four D's of disinformation, and a lot more. Links in the description to support Donna's work. Meanwhile, if you like what you hear today, don't forget to go shopping through the Amazon link at bobseska.com. Okay, let's catch up with the inimitable Donna Halper. Bob, what a privilege to be on your show, okay? <laughs> Thanks and so much, what, Donna. what a great time to be on your show. Yeah, no kidding. There's not oh, enough things to talk I, about, right? I, 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 if only there was something to talk about. <laughs> I mean, it's just, there's nothing happening. I mean, <laughs> right. what? You know? How are you holding up under all of this? Oh, How, this daily true. avalanche of horrendousness. It How is, are you keeping up? And, and I, just, I just found out that I am anti-American. I, I hate America, and I am training my students to be communists. Naturally. I did not know that. I did not know that. Who, who told you this? Who's the well, idiot who certain, said that to you? A certain president who's in the White House oh. and who issued a stern memo uh, saying that um, professors should not be teaching critical race theory and that he's going to ban it, and which, of course, he has no right 
to do because no. there's this thing called the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. But even if he could huff and puff about it, um, his stand in the matter that for professors and history teachers to teach history mm-hmm. <laughs> is very problematic to me right? because I probably love America as much as anyone. Mm-hmm. My father was a decorated World War II veteran. Every single one of my relatives served. My two stepdaughters served. That's right. But what is wrong with teaching kids what their country did, both the good and the bad. It is not my job to be a cheerleader for my country. Mm -hmm. It is my job to teach critical thinking, to show the good stuff we did, and to show the stuff that wasn't so good. Because Santayana was right. Santayana was a professor at Harvard, and this is not a fake quote, because boy howdy, are there a lot of fake quotes out there. Mm -hmm. But Santayana, George Santayana said something along the lines of, if you don't learn from the mistakes of the past, you will repeat them in the future. That's right. And as a professor, I think it's really important for me to get my students to look at the times in the culture where we've been racist or sexist or homophobic or right. anti-Semitic. Or, how does that make me anti-American? Mm-hmm. I don't I, what am I missing? Can, can you explain? Yeah. People like Donald Trump throughout, especially the last 160 years or so, have been very successful with their propaganda. I point you, of course, to the Lost Cause mythology as, as mm-hmm. one of the examples where they were oh, able yeah. to perpetrate this fraud on the American people for literally whatever it is, 155 years since the end of the Civil War. They have been playing with this absolute propaganda, this disinformation about what motivated the South to secede and to carry out its war against uh, the federal government and so on. So this is the kind of basis from which Donald Trump starts this campaign against critical race theory. Have you talked to other professors in terms of what their reaction is to uh, what the president's trying to do? Well, many of us kind of look at what he has to say as just rhetoric, mm-hmm. okay? And as somebody who teaches political communication, yeah. I understand this is for his base, okay? And in fairness, for those that are new to listening to your podcast, I don't want them to perceive that like, aha, we just insult Donald Trump for an hour, yeah. which we certainly could do. <laughs> but, the, yeah. but the reality, <laughs> yep, but the reality is there have been politicians since the founding of the republic mm-hmm. who loved to stir things up by claiming that, you know, that this particular group are against God or they're against Jesus or yeah. they're against name seven other things. And what they were really saying is, I don't agree with you and I want to scare people. McCarthyism, you know, it's right. like, here's all these communists that have riddled the educational system. And what he was really saying was, I'm a very, very conservative politician, and anybody who isn't a very, very conservative politician must, by definition, be a communist. That's right. Okay, but whose definition? Mm-hmm. Oh, yours. Okay, cool. Thank you. Yeah. So we're, we're seeing some of that sort of posturing. It's like, well, if you teach about racism, then you must – nah, mm-hmm. the truth is it is important for history teachers – and professors to be inclusive. And for a lot of us, if you're in a blue state, by and large, 
you're just kind of looking at this and going, ah, talking to his base again. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's a culture wars thing. But what's sad is this has very real world consequences. Yeah. This demonizes certain kinds of learning. Okay. It's like you and I have discussed masks. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a compromised immune system and I have had for years. Okay. So for me, wearing a mask out in public in the middle of a pandemic makes an immense amount of sense. Mm -hmm. But why did mask wearing get turned into this political issue? Somebody explained it to me like, well, today's Republicans regard everything about individual liberty as opposed to many Democrats and uh, some centrist Republicans regarding mm-hmm. it as the common good. Right. So it is a common good if I wear a mask out in public and so do you, because who knows what we could spread to someone. We're protecting ourselves, but we're also protecting others. Mm -hmm. Whereas some folks are looking at it like, no, no, my personal freedom. Yeah, but your personal freedom could get me sick. Yeah. And I'm I'm not used to having leaders in Washington who are more worried about what's good for them than they are what's good for the country. That's right. That's Trump's exact motivation with the masks and everything, because he feels as if anyone wearing a mask is emphasizing the magnitude of the pandemic and therefore making him look bad. I mean, obviously, this guy is deeply paranoid. Anything that's... We've turned the the corner, and it doesn't affect most people anyway. I mean, it's all just like it's fine, you know? It's it's all good. (laughs) And those people that are dying, well, they probably had some other condition anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what we started talking about before you began your show, and, and by the way, again, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's Not my pleasure. I like you, but, you know, as, as a former broadcaster and as a professor of political communication, but also as a card-carrying human being on this planet who just wants to get along. You're one of my, Donna, you're one of my regulars. You're like the Charles Nelson Riley of my Wednesday show. So I'm always, always happy to have you back. Always, always, always. Well, I, I appreciate it. And it's fun to talk about some rush and some rock and roll and this and that, but there's so many things going on right now that are making me nervous. Mm -hmm. And I know you can't, Judge by polling, and you know, I just saw a poll that said that uh, Biden is down in a few places and Trump is up. And I'm like, okay, you can demagogue certain issues. Here's something that really worries me as a former broadcaster, okay? NBC, and they were the only place I know that I saw this. NBC did an article about two days ago about how in Florida, Every single Spanish language radio station and many of the Spanish language newspapers are just riddled with pro-Trump propaganda, Mm -hmm. one-sided pro-Trump propaganda. Now, again, fine with me if you want to support your guy, okay? I would certainly support my guy or my lady. I totally get that. But as a former broadcaster... I have a duty to my audience to be fair and to be accurate. Mm -hmm. And these folks are hearing stuff that not only isn't fair and accurate, it's disinformation. Oh, yeah. It's myths. It's conspiracy theories. It's, oh, my God, George Soros. And I'm I'm like, 
God, what, do the Democrats have an answer for this? Are they even aware that it's happening? Yeah, well, that's... sadly, all over the country, mm-hmm. you have, and I feel like I'm babbling endlessly. No, no, that's me, okay. This just drives me crazy. <laughs> babble all um, you want, Donna. <laughs> no, I don't want to babble. <laughs> all over the all over the country. Yeah, we have entire states where there's 95% of the talk shows are one-sided, mm-hmm. right-wing, pro-Trump. The vast majority of the online stuff, right-wing, pro-Trump. Nothing wrong with being pro-Trump if that's your candidate. Right. But there is something wrong with people never hearing the facts and never hearing the other side. And that is what terrifies me. I started telling you, I have a very dear friend in the South mm-hmm. who we were talking on the phone about a week and a half ago. And she was like, aren't you afraid to leave your house? <laughs> and I thought she meant coronavirus. Right. <laughs> and I said, no, I got my mask. I got my, you know, I, I socially distance. I mean, it's the law here. Our numbers are going down. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, they're continuing to go down. She said, oh, no, 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 all the violence in the streets and the riots and, and, and like, you know, sanctuary cities. And, and and she's, like, quoting me this, like, propaganda, if I may, that she heard on right-wing talk radio. And I'm like, no, there's, like, no riots. I'm looking out my window right now. It's a nice, sunny day. People, peaceful, quiet. I mean, <laughs> haven't seen a riot in ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but if all you're seeing over and over on a continuous loop are images of rioting and looting or what is identified as rioting and looting, whether it really is or not. I mean, some of these campaign ads are using stuff from other countries from five years ago. But if all you see is up in the blue states is rioting and looting, yeah. That's what you start thinking, and you start thinking, oh, my God, I better vote for the guy who's going to protect me against the rioters and the looters. Mm -hmm. It makes me very nervous. Oh, yeah. I wrote a book uh, back in 2008. You did? You wrote a book? Long time ago. Long time. It's a piece of crap, Donna. Don't even ask me what it's called. Oh, no, it isn't. You're my friend, and I'll defend it. (laughs) Well, it was about the use of fear in politics. So this is what's happening with the descriptions of uh, in the, you know, the selected video, some of it not even from this country, of the rioting and the anarchists and the agitators and all whatever language Donald Trump is using to describe it. Oh, did you know that New York is now an anarchist state? Yeah, anarchist jurisdiction is the latest fear scam that they're using in order to get whatever it is, 60, 65 million uh, Republicans to vote away their personal liberty. That's yep. what's happening in this election. Donald Trump is using fear to get people to, of, to sanction of, his authoritarianism. Yes, yes, but this is one of the four Ds mm-hmm. of disinformation. Okay, And so much of this stuff yep. that is being directed like on Hispanic radio stations and on a lot of TV and online is nothing but textbook disinformation and i'm sure your listeners have studied some of this i'm sure you've had other speakers who are very good at you know probably better than me at explaining it but i teach about this yeah yeah the four the four d's of disinformation dismiss distort distract dismay 
So first of all, you put out a myth or a meme or a conspiracy theory. If anybody tries to challenge you, you just dismiss them or you call them names. Mm -hmm. Then you distort what the facts actually are. Then you distract from it by whataboutism. Yeah, but what about Hillary's emails? You know, or et cetera. What Mm -hmm. about Hunter Biden? Yeah. And then dismay. You create emotions that will leave people afraid or upset or worried so that they forget what the original issue was. Mm -hmm. And these tactics are being used relentlessly to take facts that may have like a kernel of truth in them and use them to terrify the population. Do you think it'll work? It didn't work in the 2018 midterms with the invasion that was supposedly (laughs) coming. But do you think that like declaring entire cities to be like, you know, um, anarchist and encouraging the belief that there's like rioters and looters and that one man can stand against it? Yeah. Think that that's going to work? I don't know what you're talking about, Donna, because Donald Trump said he doesn't like to incite panic. <laughs> oh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, no. no. He wants never. to keep people never, calm. <laughs> keep them calm. Mm-hmm. No coronavirus? No. 200,000 people? No. That's amazing. No. It's amazing, no. Donna, how many people buy that double speak. I mean, oh, the whiplash Lord. has got to be painful, oh. where on one hand well, they're this, hearing. This is, yeah. this is as bad as, like, Merrick Garland versus Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, 2016, all of these high-minded Republicans, we can't possibly confirm a nominee to the Supreme Court because it's 10 months from the election. Yeah. And what really irritated me living through that, Merrick Garland was the most centrist, respected jurist. Mm -hmm. Republicans loved him until Obama nominated him, at which point he became the great Satan. That's right. And we couldn't possibly nominate him. I mean, can't even let him have a hearing. Nothing. No. But now suddenly it's like, oh no, all bets are off. All the stuff we said in 2016 about you can't have like hearings and nominations in the last few months of a president's term. (laughs) What? Did we say that? Mm Mm-hmm. Did we really say that? No. You, you, who are you going to believe? Us or your lion eyes? You know, mm. we never said that. Besides, here's seven exceptions. Yeah. And here's what aboutism. And here's, you know, if the party of the first part and the party of the second part. Nah, Mitt Romney. Oh, Mitt. Mm-hmm. Mitt. Well, there's been a liberal Supreme Court for years. Uh, no, no, no. Really? Really? <laughs> He's so wrong was on I, that. Was I asleep when there was a liberal Supreme? I must have been asleep. Maybe for I about was- two seconds in there, but it has been mostly center right. Yeah. In 1949? <laughs> yes, in 1949. That's right. Which makes <laughs> a hell of a big difference. Came, you know? I've got to ask you, Donna, do you have any suggestions whatsoever for the Democrats as we get closer to this fight over the Supreme Court? I mean, how do we fight fire to stop McConnell from acting in bad faith like this? Well, one of the things I'm noticing is that the Lincoln Project Mm -hmm. and Midas Touch and a few others of the advocacy groups are getting on the air with ads, but I'm not sure where those ads are running. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very nice to see them online, and we can all congratulate ourselves, and isn't it nice that some people are reaching across the aisle who still believe in the Constitution? (laughs) 
But on the other hand, are the vast majority of people who are being exposed to nothing but a pro-Trump conservative ecosystem that isn't really even conservative. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when the Republican Party was not fond of cozying up to dictators like Putin. Yeah. I remember it, it was like, God, it was so long ago, uh, 2016, as I recall. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Republicans cared about the debt. Yeah. And the deficit? I, that was when was like, that? When would when did God. that happen, Donna? When were the Republicans? Yeah, I think that was when, a, I think that was when there was a Democrat in office. <laughs> That's exactly right. Those yes. were the good old days. Mm -hmm. Those were the good old days. Ah, yes, two thousand nine. We were younger back then. <laughs> uh, so Ted Cruz just blocked a Senate resolution to honor Ruth Bader Ginsburg, saying it was partisan. Ghouls. Uh, just such Thanks, ghouls. Ted. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of ghouls, when I read the recent tweet by MSNBC's Chris Matthews, who said, <laughs> he, is he still alive? Is he still around? He is still is around still, somehow still and, and tweeting and saying that Trump's response to the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg was, and I quote, presidential. I mean, why, Donna, do certain left-leaning commentators, why do they scramble over themselves to declare Trump to be presidential? I don't know why they keep doing it. To be honest with you, I think it's about having a niche or a niche, if you mm. prefer. Mm -hmm. I think there are some people who sincerely believe that there's a lane to be centrist and that if they can come across as being very reasonable, they'll get quoted. Ah. Because there's really extreme righties and really extreme lefties, so I'll just be reasonable. Mm -hmm. Now, in an ideal universe, being reasonable would be wonderful. In an ideal universe, having someone read a teleprompter and say certain things that you would expect a normal human being to say, that would be great. <clears throat> but we're not living in that universe. We're living in a universe where extremists are dominating and where, unfortunately, the kinds of behaviors that we associate with presidents of either party are not in existence. Mm -hmm. When did you ever hear a president insult and mock and bully people the way this president does. No. I get, Bobby, I can't get used to it. No, I can't get used to it, and it's never happened before, at least to this degree. I mean, there's always been shovel fighting in American politics. I of mean, course. you can go back to the 1800 election as an example of that. Of course. But by and large... It hasn't gotten to this level before, and it's almost like the weaponization of uh, reality TV behavior. It's yes. almost like what we see on the Real Housewives and that kind of oh, yeah. just friction for the well, sake of, please pay attention to me, look at me, look at me. And that's yeah. really and, what and Trump and is more doing. Insult. There, I read somebody said to me, and I don't remember who it was, but I read it and then someone actually said it to me. Mm -hmm. The reason Donald Trump is so popular is because he hates the same people that his base hates. Yeah. And the cruelty is the point mm -hmm. that he was elected to weaponize and enact that hatred and the getting back at certain people who are perceived as elites. Yeah. And it's ironic, of course, because he is one of those elites. But, you know, there he is. And his stand in the matter is, I'll get back at the people that have been cruel to you over the years. I'll mock and bully them at my press conferences. I'll call them rude names. <laughs> I will tweet at them. 
But more dangerous than that is using as a punchline in his press conferences now, in, in, in his rallies, about how journalists who are covering these various events are in many cases getting shot with rubber bullets. They're getting tear gassed. And he's cheering that. Yeah. That is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. Ali Velshi was talking about that because I saw Ali Velshi covering Minneapolis and he was in a crowd of reporters and he absolutely got shot with a rubber bullet. And to his credit, he kept reporting. Yeah. I think that's commendable. And Trump's treating it like, yeah, it's a good thing he got shot. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, they're the enemy uh, of the people, Donna. I, uh, Don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> can't we just go back to disagreeing with our political enemies without wishing death and destruction on them? Yeah, it'd be I, nice I, to go back. Honest to God, I can't yeah. get used to it. It'd be great to be able to debate issues again. I always say this, Donna, but I feel like my job has gone from being a political commentator to uh, disaster assessment is what <laughs> of what I do on a daily basis. I look at the news and I'm like, well, this is as bad as the disaster is right now. Here's how it could get worse. Oh, and here's how it can get better. It's constantly assessing the degree and the magnitude of the disaster that we're in. It's Well, you asked me about like, is it depressing? Yeah. It's tiring it's mm-hmm. exhausting it's like every day there's a new meme every day there's a new conspiracy theory to bat down yeah. every day there's more misinformation and disinformation mm-hmm. every day there's more political ads that are just demonstrably false i yeah. mean poor daniel dale of cnn i don't think the guys had a night's sleep in three years i mean the <laughs> fact checkers are just like oh my god they yeah. don't get any rest at all and the sad part is even with all the fact checking there's still a very large portion of the country like we talked about who only hear one side and that's what they believe Mm -hmm. and exposing them to the other side they don't think there is another side so what do we yeah. do about that? That's what keeps me up at night. Oh, me too. I mean, me too. I feel like the internet came along too soon in our evolutionary process. In other words, our society, the way our society is set up right now and the degree to which people can handle information was not ready for the glut of information that the internet would deliver to us. Does that make sense? I feel like... It beca- not only makes sense, but that one of the things that this president is masterful at is putting so much false information out there Mm -hmm. that at a certain point people start questioning everything and if everything is being questioned then nothing matters lol (laughs) okay i mean people are just being overwhelmed with so much false information that it's really hard to know what to believe. And that was his goal. And I'm not saying this about him specifically, because politicians since the beginning of time have tried to do this, but he really has mastered the art of getting all his media sources together to reinforce the messaging that he wants to put out there and to weaponize 
misinformation mm-hmm. and disinformation such that it weakens the institutions that we thought would protect us. That's what makes me nervous. And part of the problem, Donna, the way I see it is um, it's not just Trump. It's the way Trump is covered. Like, here's an example. Today on Twitter, a bunch of reporters were whining about Kamala Harris's alleged lack of contact with the press. Well, first of all, She's taken press questions on several occasions so far since being nominated for vice president, I think since the convention. But more importantly, why do news media people, mostly cable news, just be specific about it, continue playing this double standard where Trump can do a thousand horrible things in a single day, but when one of his opponents does just one thing that's barely even a thing, some members of the press treat that one thing with the same amount of coverage as Trump's thousands of things. But, 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 but her emails, but her emails. Yeah, exactly right. Or it was the Pocahontas thing with Elizabeth Warren. Like that one thing would have taken on the same magnitude as the millions. I mean, how many times has Trump lied? 25,000 times since the inauguration. The one thing with Elizabeth Warren would have taken on that same magnitude as the 25,000 Trump lies. I don't understand how that's, that is possible, how they can get away with that. That's a real problem with media coverage. And many yeah. people who teach this stuff far more so than I do have remarked upon the fact that many journalists are still treating it like it's the old way of covering everything, which yeah. is one side says X, the other side says Y. Back to you, Bob. <laughs> you know, so like yeah. you know, one side says the world is round. The other side says the world is flat. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess there's a lot of opinions about the world. Back to you, Bob. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult Mm -hmm. for a lot of journalists who were trained in objectivity. Now, I know there's a myth, and it is a myth. Oh, the biased, dishonest media. Nah, most reporters, not commentators. Commentators are paid to be biased. Absolutely. But most reporters, including the reporters on Fox News, and yes, there really are reporters on Fox News, Mm -hmm. believe it or don't. So most reporters are trained to be fair to the facts. And when you're trying to be fair to the facts, and you have one side that is just demonstrably lying, what do you do? You're not trained to call balls and strikes. You're trained to just like, okay, this one said this, as opposed to that one, who said that? Mm-hmm. And it's causing real problems because we're always being accused, and by we, I mean anybody that freelances, anybody that is a writer, a reporter, a podcaster, we're always being accused of bias. Yeah. And bias really means you didn't cover my guy the way I wanted you to cover my guy. Mm-hmm. And. I mean, again, ever since Thomas Jefferson, people have been complaining about their media coverage, okay? So that's nothing new. But the ability to weaponize it, you were 100% right when you said, like, maybe the Internet came along too soon. I don't think the people that thought about the Internet originally expected that it would turn out this way. In fact, most discourses about new media generally – Either are utopian, like this is going to make everything better, or they're dystopian. This is going to make everything worse. Mm -hmm. In the case of the Internet, it was sort of like, oh, my God, everybody's going to be watching porn. (laughs) That was the usual complaint. 
But everybody else was like, God, this is going to make people more equal. They'll have more access to information. Won't that be fun? Mm -hmm. And we'll also get to watch cat videos or dog and parrot videos, depending on whatever you prefer. (laughs) I don't think most people, when they were first critiquing the Internet, and I've looked into this, I don't think most people predicted that we'd have a president who weaponized it. Right. Okay. Uh, Bush didn't really use online communication all that much. Obama used it some, but mainly to get a mailing list going Mm -hmm. and to reach out to like-minded partisans, which every politician has done. But Mr. Trump has successfully weaponized it to the point where he has so delegitimized other forms of media that there are people who never look at or read anything other than what he says is okay, Mm -hmm. because everything else is just fake news. And if you never expose yourself to anything other than what the leader says, aren't you going to get kind of a skewed view of things? And journalists have no idea how to cover that yeah. world. Correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And in fact, I kind of compare it going back to um, another mention of the Civil War. Uh, the problem with the Civil War, the reason why during the Civil War, the casualty rate was so high is because the technology of the weaponry outpaced the tactics. And I feel like Donald Trump has outpaced the tactics to cover him. So the people covering Donald Trump don't quite know exactly how best to cover him because he's outpacing those journalistic tactics, for lack of a better term. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. But as I said, the issue is very often that the media are still trying to do, well, one side says X and the other side says Y. Right, right. Those are the old tactics. Yeah. 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 yeah, and they're very concerned about being perceived as biased because they're told that they're biased and they're fake news and mm-hmm. they're this and that. So, I don't know. These are strange days indeed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, the, Michael Cohen, who writes for the Boston Globe, uh, not the Michael Cohen who's the discredited attorney that wrote a book. <laughs> right. um, Michael Cohen of the Globe just wrote one year ago. The impeachment inquiries began. Mm-hmm. Seems like it never happened. Yeah. It seems like it never had so much stuff to there is such a glut of stories being thrown at everyone that it's like one day, then the next day, then the next day, then the next day. It's just on and on and so much of it that I think people feel overwhelmed. Oh yes. And That was the point. All right, we'll get back to our conversation with Donna here in just a second. But now that we've said goodbye to summer, it's time for things to go back to our normal everyday groove. Watching the autumn leaves fall to their deaths, etc., With so much changing around us, it's increasingly difficult to find the extra time for you, the time you need to take care of yourself and look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes, and you can look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes, visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, even under eye bags in just a matter of minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines, number 11s, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. The results will last for hours, so you can take the family app 
apple picking and look your best the whole time. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a plastic surgeon and costs less than a round of pumpkin spice lattes for you and your friends. You can try a six-application trial pack for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com or call 1-800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit triplexiderm.com or call 1-800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES at checkout. Thank you. Okay, bacteria and viruses live everywhere. Your phone, your earbuds, car keys, groceries, packages, wallet, even your face mask. Sanitizing these items is an important part of staying safe and healthy, but it can also mean using harmful chemicals that constantly need to be replaced. The Clean Phone line of products changes all of that. The Clean Phone brand offers a full range of sanitizing products that use ultraviolet light. This is the same technology used to sanitize hospital rooms and medical equipment, but do not put it in your body. That would be a major, major mistake, Mr. President. The Clean Phone products have been tested by independent laboratories and provide the best quality UV sanitizing for for every need. The Clean Phone is a device designated for phones and household items, but it even works as a wireless charger for your cell phone. And now add the new Clean Phone Wand, a portable handheld unit that can go anywhere and be used to sanitize tablets, computers, packages, groceries, and more. Go to thenewdealshop.com and select the right Clean Phone products for you. Get free FedEx two-day shipping, and as an added bonus, get 10% off FDA-authorized respirator face masks. Go to thenewdealshop.com right now. That's free FedEx two-day shipping and a bonus 10% off FDA-authorized respirator face masks at thenewdealshop.com. Go there now. Thank you. The Bob Seska Show. Here's a, an interesting thought exercise for those listening in can play along with this. Think about what the revelation was. Without looking it up, what was the major news story that came out of John Bolton's book? I don't think anyone can remember it. I can't remember it. I don't remember the the major revelation from John Bolton's book, and I do this for a living. I've got my face pressed up up against my computer screen 24-7, and I don't remember simply because of what we've been referring to as the fire hose of news, the constant stream of awfulness erupting from the White House. And it, and it tamps down our ability to be able to fully absorb all of these things that have happened, including the impeachment, which... Indeed. And not only that, but there are so many things that this president has done that if other presidents had done even one-sixteenth of them, mm-hmm. the public would have turned against them. Yeah. And yet there are people, and I invite you to tell me why, when Mr. Trump said that he could go on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone dead and not lose one vote with his base, that certainly seems to have been the case. His approval numbers haven't moved in three and a half years. They're right. always within plus or minus a couple of points one way or to other. Yeah. Why is that? The strength of disinformation, the strength of propaganda. Yep. That's my... Yep. One answer. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So that certainly seems like it to me. Here's a role playing question for you, Donna. Let's say you're hired by the Biden campaign as a media advisor. What's the one thing you would suggest to the campaign to overcome Trump's constant visibility? How do you uh, advise the Biden campaign to counteract that? And your answer can include having Biden do nothing at all. That's another, I think, viable option to just let Trump suck the air out of the room and stand by and wait for the uh, votes to be cast. 
there's one thing that we all have to keep in mind. Um, Joe Biden is a terrible speaker. Okay. I love him dearly as a human being. I always have, even when I didn't agree with him. I mean, Mm -hmm. his story, the things he's been through in his life. He was a wonderful father. He came home every night from the Capitol just to raise his kids. I mean, he has done some commendable stuff. Even many of my Republican friends who wouldn't vote for him if he was the only guy running have said to me straight up, what a decent, down-to-earth human being. However, he is a stutterer, and that should not mean that the president mocks him, but then again, you know, that what can I say? Yeah. But he is not the world's greatest speaker. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would do if I were advising him is get your surrogates out there. You need young, hip surrogates to get out there. I mean, Bernie Sanders had Killer Mike go out there. I mean, come on, you know, go send Cardi B. I mean, go send some young surrogates, and they don't have to be young as in 18 years old, but I mean, youthful surrogates who can make the case for you with certain key constituencies. Mm -hmm. Because the truth is, Making it yourself is going to be tough for you. You're going to have a hard time breaking through the noise. You're going to have a hard time getting people to pay attention. And when they do pay attention, the media are going to report the gaffes. Oh, yeah. my God. He said 200 million when he should have said 200,000, you know, butter emails. <laughs> so, you know, so unfortunately, Joe Biden, much as I like him, is not the best person to make his own case. But that's why God created surrogates. Mm -hmm. And there certainly are some wonderful people supporting him who could get out there and make the case. And I think they should. And I think they should be all over everywhere making the case for how this president mishandled coronavirus, how this president has stirred up racial divisions, and how this president hasn't drained the swamp. I have had more people say to me, oh, my God, he's done such wonderful things for veterans. Um, Really? (laughs) Even if you don't believe that he called them losers and suckers, which it wouldn't surprise me if he did, by the way. Oh, he surely did. Even if you don't believe that, I'm about, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. But the policies that he's touting were Obama's policies. Yeah. They were even Bush's policies. He's very good at taking credit for stuff that other people did. It's his entire... And that's why the Biden campaign desperately needs people to get out and make Biden's case for the stuff that Biden does and that Biden could do mm-hmm. and shift the dialogue away from but his gaffes yeah. and shift the dialogue away from, well, he's in his basement. No, he isn't. <laughs> and you know what? Being in his basement, his approval numbers went way up because a lot of the stuff that's been going on is just, hey, let's watch the guy self-destruct. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. President. Appreciate exactly. it. So <laughs> it's it's a disaster. Well, no. Oh, by the way, I'm, I'm just watching the news from Louisville here. Um, why is it when a bunch of white militia guys with guns are marching down the street, they're not called a gang and they're not called a threat? Uh, that's a really good question. Asking, asking for a friend. Yeah. 
<laughs> right, right. Why is it that one kid can turn up with a whatever it was, an AR-15, and gun some people down and get praised as a hero on Fox News Channel? Oh, We're just through the looking glass, Donna. We're up is down and down is up. It's an incredible I'm, thing to observe. I'm looking at this video. This is live video I'm looking at uh, for those that are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, while I'm talking to Bob, who I love with all my heart and soul, <laughs> I've just been in the classroom all day. Mm -hmm. And since we're doing a current events episode, I kind of do want to find out what happened while I was in the classroom. <laughs> and I'm looking, you know, yeah. and I'm looking at these live pictures of militiamen, and they are men, walking with their AR-15s and AK-47s, just walking down the street in full military garb, and mm -hmm. nothing. Yeah. No one's stopping them. No one's arresting them. I know they have the right to carry their... But my point is, why is one group people expressing themselves and the other group are just terrorists and seditionists? I mean, in Michigan, when Mr. Trump sent that message out to liberate the state, which really meant open up early because I need to turn the economy around, mm -hmm. um, a whole bunch of conservative armed proponents rushed the Capitol and came into the Capitol carrying their weapons, demanding to be let in, 99.999% of them were white. The vast majority were male. I have nothing against white males. I'm married to one. But I have a lot against large groups of angry people carrying AK-47s right. trying to get into the Capitol. Not one police officer arrested them. Mm -hmm. Imagine if that had been a whole bunch of angry people of color trying to get into the Capitol. Do you think there would have been some arrests? It's just racism and uh, oh. white supremacy and every point in between. It's those things. And here Donna. again, here yeah. again, please don't message me. Oh, you're against the Second Amendment. No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm for respect. I am fine about the Second Amendment. I am not fine about going into the Capitol and terrorizing legislators of both parties, by the way, mm -hmm. just so that you can make a cheap political point. I just don't think that's what the Second Amendment should be all about. If you don't like the governor, fine with me. Go vote her out. I happen yeah. to think she's doing a good job under difficult circumstances. But don't go in with your weapons. I mean, what is this? This, you know. Civil War? I mean, some people would like there to be one, but yeah. please no. Please no. Yeah. I mean... It's like, you know what it is? It's Comic-Con. It's Comic-Con for gun fetishists. They like to do the dress them up. They like to dress up and pretend like they're in the military, just like people dress up in Star Trek uniforms and go to Comic-Con. It's the same thing. They've got the weapons and they want to show them off. Hey, look, you know, it's like those uh, those rallies where people with, you know, souped up hot rod cars get together in a parking I lot guess. and they line up all their cars and they check out each other's cars. This is an uh, opportunity. I, li I like the boat show rallies. Up. I like the boat rallies where the boat sank. I thought that was a metaphor. Yes. Oh, my God. I thought that was a metaphor. So entertaining. But, I mean, but yeah. Seriously, you get all of these, God bless them, white militia people. And nobody wants to say that they're like militia, white supremacists, mm -hmm. nationalists. Nope. You know, but people will talk about all those angry minorities and they see them in the ads. And then my poor friends from the South are like, how do you leave your house? It's so terrifying. <laughs> like, God. You know, I'm like, And this is why we are 
where we are. Mm -hmm. If only we had a president who would unify the country. Okay. And I understand that some people are listening to this because they know me and they're like, not that they don't know you, but there's people that are like, oh, God, you're a center lefty, but let me hear what you got to say. (laughs) And now they're really furious and I'm going to get all kinds of horrible, mean tweets. No, you won't. But but I stand by what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. We need someone to bring the country together. We need little children to no longer be afraid of each other. I saw something online that just horrified me. Okay. Um, I saw a rally, one of Trump's rallies, where a mommy and a daddy were carrying a, you know, fake news, this and that sign. And they were teaching their little kid who looked like He was about five and had no idea what was going on to go up to the media pen where the the reporters were and to yell at them and call them your fake news, your fake news. And the parents were just applauding him. I got tears in my eyes. I really did. Some of those reporters are my friends. Why are you apprenticing your children into hating members of the media who are just trying to do they jobs. Yep. I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Why are you cheering for r- reporters being shot when you're at one of the president's rallies? Why are you cheering for violence? Why are you demanding the right to terrorize people? How is this going to make the country better? Yeah, yeah. It's horrible. And, you know, speaking of chaos, Donna, I got to ask you about this. What can we expect from the TV news media on election night? How do you think the coverage of the election on the night, on November 3rd, will be handled by the major networks and the cable people? Um, I'm sure you're concerned about Fox News based on what happened in 2000. But how is that going to go? How are you foreseeing this all playing out uh, on November 3rd? Well, the truth is that there's no more election night. Thanks to the pandemic. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that isn't happening, according to some folks, but it really is. It really is real. And more than 200,000 people have paid for the incompetence of this government and for the total lack of a national strategy. And as a result, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are voting online. And as a result, no matter what the president says, there is no, repeat, no, evidence of widespread fraud. Most states have attorneys general and voting commissioners who are very careful about who gets ballots. Half of the stuff you hear online is just utterly bogus, but never mind that now. So long story short, you get thousands and thousands and thousands of people voting online, and it's going to take a long time for those votes to be tallied. And the days of, oh, we know on November 3rd who won, may be over, no matter, you know, which side it is. Mm -hmm. It may take longer. My fear is that the president is going to just declare victory, say that anything else is illegitimate, and try to just continue on. And that authoritarianism is what worries me. Because if all the norms are gone, which they are, if all the norms are gone, then hey, Why wait for the result? Just declare yourself the leader and move it along. You know, I mean, declare that you can fill a Supreme Court vacancy, even though you said you couldn't like 
two years ago or three years ago, if nothing matters and everything is just like situational, then hey, he's the leader and there you are. Yeah. That's what I'm concerned about. Yeah, yeah. And if he does declare victory, um, whether it's November 3rd or November 4th or sometime in that gray area, how does the press cover that? I mean, you've got a president of the United States using the bully pulpit to accept a victory that he hasn't been granted. Um, and then there is always the, the need to along. repeat had, that, to repeat Bobby, that declaration. Had, forgive me for interrupting. I'm, okay. I'm a horrible person and it's a terrible <laughs> habit. Um, but we have a president who has been claiming for three years now that the Constitution gives him basically the right to say and do whatever he wants. Yeah. And with no checks and balances, this would just be one more example of him just saying and doing whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. This is one of those cases. I mean, Shakespeare may have said, let's kill all the lawyers. But the reality is it's nice to have a lawyer when you need one. Yeah. And I have the feeling that there are a lot of lawyers on both sides, by the way. There are a lot of lawyers who are ready to demand and stand up for a fair election. I know for a true fact, as I've talked to some of my Republican friends, and they're appalled by some of this. They really are. Hmm. They find the rhetoric dangerous. They find the, you know, the divisiveness dangerous. And they want very much to see a fair election and to see every vote counted. So I think if there is a premature effort to declare victory before there really is victory for either candidate, then maybe, just maybe, it's going to end up in the courts. And while it is true that this president has worked very hard with Mitch McConnell to take over the courts, he hasn't taken them all over. Mm -hmm. And there are still principled jurists who may just decide that, nah, you can't just declare victory before the votes have been counted. Sorry. That's right. And, you know, going back to where we started with our conversation today, Donna, regarding the Supreme Court, um, there's another opportunity that hasn't really been widely discussed yet, which is that the Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee during the forthcoming hearings to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg to take that seat, uh, the Democrats need to force whoever the nominee is to declare under oath that they will recuse themselves from matters involving the election because it obviously from the circumstances based on the fact that we're so close to an election. In fact, the election is already underway. The election got underway, whatever it was, a week ago, two weeks ago. So it seems appropriate that whoever's appointed by the president who's up for re-election should recuse themselves uh, in matters related to that president's re-election. You know, it seems to make sense. In the ideal universe, yeah. but even, even back under Bush v. Gore, and I am one of the many who feel that um, Mr. Gore was jobbed. I mean, I think yeah. he was yes, seriously cheated out of being president. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he would have been a good one, a bad one, but uh, several members of the Supreme Court who did vote had a horse in this race. They yeah. had family members who were working for Bush or family members who worked for the Republicans. They should have recused. Yeah. And yet they did not. Mm -hmm. So I will be interested to see if the media hold various people accountable that they didn't hold accountable in 2000. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if the media have learned any interesting lessons from the past couple of elections, because the truth is all bets really are off. Mm -hmm. The way that this is going to play out 
unfortunately, you already have the president saying that he's going to contest the election no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm like, whoa, uh, are you Yogi the Mind Reader, sir? I mean, you, you can... You know, you can tell with, oh, great. Would you tell me when I'm going to win the lottery? Because I got <laughs> bills to pay. So, yeah, you know, I'd like to like to know these things. Mm-hmm, sure. But sad to say, he is already saying, you know, it's going to be rigged. It's going to be this. It's going to be that. And that kind of poisonous dialogue, that kind of effort to rhetorically create doubt is it's been working for him. Mm-hmm. Will the media be able to call him out in a country where so much of it only gets its information from partisan biased sources? Mm. They never see this stuff. They never see both sides. Yeah. They never see that there is another side. Uh, do we get out of this, Donna, like a year from now, if we're sitting here talking on the podcast again and uh, we're God talking willing. about what's God willing, yeah. <laughs> and, and everything is fine and dandy. Is that I feel gonna... like that song for you know, band on the radio? If I ever get out of here, <laughs> yeah. I mean, do we get to that place where we can sit here a year from now and go, hey, you know what? Remember a year ago when everything was hellish and now things have started to improve again? Do you think that's going to happen? Do you think that's going to come about? Ah, uh, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> I mean, these are. These are the 10 days of repentance. Yeah. And by the way, I said on social media, and a few people kind of beat me up on it, but I'll say it again. These are the 10 days of repentance. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't even be having a conversation about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay? She may not have been religious, but she was Jewish. And these are the 10 days of repentance, which are the high holy days for Jews. And to have a partisan political conversation about someone who hasn't even been buried yet, someone who, you know, this is the Holy Week, Mm -hmm. and what are we doing? We're talking partisan politics, and you're going to replace her and this and that? Shame on you! (laughs) I mean, you know, you want to have this conversation, do it next week. Don't do it this week, okay? Have a little respect. But that having been said, there are A lot of things that make me feel like, deep down quietly, even some Republicans are saying, this is too much for me. The Cindy Bidens of the world, Cindy Biden, I'm sorry, Cindy uh, McCain, Mm -hmm. the Cindy McCains of the world, okay? Um, And by the way, I like Jill Biden. I had Jill Biden on the mind here. (laughs) But um, Cindy McCain said, I've never voted for a Democrat in my life. I don't agree with Joe Biden on many issues, but he's a decent person, and we need someone to restore decency to our republic. Mm -hmm. My prayer during these 10 days of repentance, and this is not partisan. This is just me being a former chaplain. Mm -hmm. My prayer is that we can bring back decency, integrity, compassion, kindness, and a sense of the common good. Yeah, sure, have bare knuckles, political fights, absolutely. You know, you believe in this, I believe in that, tra-la-la, let's all fight. But we need to have times when we bring the country together. We haven't even had a president who let us mourn the 200,000 people who have died from coronavirus. That's right. Not nothing. a single moment of silence, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. nothing. Yeah. So we need to restore 
the sense of decency. That's why I think a lot of Republicans, including the Lincoln Project, are standing up and saying, maybe Biden's not my guy issues-wise, but he's a decent human being, and he will bring the country together, and Mm -hmm. boy, howdy, do we need it. So my prayer to anyone who's listening is whether you agree with Biden on every issue, I don't care. But what I do care about is if we have four more years of this, we won't have a democracy anymore. And that's not me being hyperbolic. When you have a leader who is by nature authoritarian and who doesn't believe in institutions and a compliant Congress, you're going to have a lack of democracy. You're going to have a lack of unity. And you're going to have a cult of personality around one man. Right. And I cannot go for that. I don't think it's good for any of us. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Very, very well said, Donna. And you know what? If you've got the time, I've got one more question for you. Do you have time for one more question? Well, I charge, I charge extra. <laughs> Come on. Like, don't you know who I, I am? For, I totally forgot. I'm sorry. Um, so the other day, I checked out the top 100 songs on Spotify. This is basically the equivalent of the Billboard Hot 100. And yep. I noticed that there wasn't a single rock band on the entire top 100. It just It happens to be just right now. There could have been a rock band on there six months ago, but I didn't see it. So what the heck is going on, Donna? Is rock and roll but, dead? I, but let me, let me just refer you back to politics for okay. seven seconds. Okay. The top 20 websites online are ultra-right-wing conservative. Mm-hmm. Now, again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I mean, you're going to tell me that nobody else, including moderate conservatives, liberals, center-left, people that don't care, whatever, you're going to tell me nobody else goes to websites? <laughs> so I get the feeling with regard to music mm-hmm. that there are certain people that just vote in these things, and they vote in them relentlessly. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not sure that they represent what the average person believes okay Mm -hmm. like when i ask people um do you listen to rush do you like rush what's your favorite rush song i always get thousands and thousands and thousands of people that respond and yet when i go to polls about great rock bands i never see rush so the truth is i guess the right people aren't getting polled and yet There are still many of us who love rock and roll, believe in rock and roll, would like to do an entire podcast about rock and roll. And I'm sure I've disappointed the people that tuned in hoping that we'd be talking about (laughs) rock and roll. But you know what? There will be other times, unless I've totally alienated you, in which case I guess we won't be talking about rock and roll some other time. Never, never, never. But the truth is. Rock and roll will help you get through these difficult times. Mm -hmm. Rock and roll will keep you sane. Rock and roll really does save people's lives and save people's sanity. But I never judge anything by what it says in the different polls, because honest to God, I don't know who they're polling, but they're not polling any of the people that I know. (laughs) So 
They're, yeah, and they're Huey definitely Lewis not said, asking me either, because if nope, they asked me, then Rush would be like in the top five every yep. week. That's and, for sure. and as Huey Lewis said, <laughs> the heart of rock and roll is still beating. There it is. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. I certainly see it all over the indie scene. That is for sure. With all oh, the for real. indie music I and play we'll on the show. we'll talk sometime about like how the, the death of radio in many regards oh, yeah. has been a problem. Not the death of it at all ever because mm-hmm. there's still plenty of places where people listen to radio but i'm saying that corporate radio has not been a good thing for new music mm-hmm. there's still a tendency to have very tight playlists i mean thank god to some degree for satellite radio although i really do love local radio and i really do listen to it there is an awful there are a lot, awful lot of cities where all the radios corporate all the newspapers, what few there are, are corporate, and the information is very controlled, and the same with music. There are so many people who aren't hearing the best new bands. Mm-hmm. They're not even hearing the best old bands. So, you know, and that's why God created YouTube, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, definitely. So, Bobby, thank you so much for having me. On thank you, podcast. Donna. Tell I everyone, hope I wasn't horribly boring. I feel never, like I just never, ranted never. endlessly. Absolutely but, not. Tell everyone where they can find you online on the social media and on your blog. After and some of the stuff I said, maybe I should be <laughs> hiding. I mean, it's just you know, but. Uh, but tell me why my phone isn't ringing. You know? <laughs> I think I'd make a wonderful commentator. I can rant with the best of them. Of course. Oh, my but, God, yes. Um, but um, I can be found at um, www.donnahalper.com, or they can just go to Uncle Google, and the chances are real good that they will find stuff that I've written. I write about baseball. I write about politics. I write about music. I write about anything anybody wants me to write about. And uh, there you are, just trying to keep a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And for those who are celebrating New Year, I wish you a happy and a healthy New Year. Yes, Happy New for Year. For those who are not, I wish you peace and God rest the soul of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, an inspiration to so many of us. So say us all. Thank you so much, Donna. Appreciate it. And I can't wait to have you on again. Can you come on next week? Thank you. Sure. <laughs> okay, great. Sure. <laughs> all right. You know, no, that this is this is just such a wonderful opportunity to talk with intelligent people about the issues of the day. And I don't expect people to always agree with me. All I care about is can we keep the lines of communication open? That's right. That's all I ask. Mm -hmm. You're the best, Donna. Thank you so much. I can't wait to to talk to you again. Thanks for having me on. See you on Twitter. Take care. Bye-bye. Now that you've said goodbye to summer, it's time for things to get back to our everyday autumn groove. Everything is flavored with pumpkin spice, of course, and before you know it, the leaves will start changing color. With so much changing around us, it's increasingly difficult to find that extra time just for you. The time you need to take care of yourself and to look your best. With Plexiderm, all you need is 10 minutes and you can look 10 years younger. Plexiderm is a clinically studied serum that gives your appearance the right kind of changes. Visibly reduces wrinkles, fine lines, and even under eye bags in minutes. Plexiderm even works on laugh lines too. Number 11s, whatever that is, and crow's feet. Take up to 10 years off your appearance in less than 10 minutes. And by the way, the results are going to last for hours, so you can take the family apple picking and look your best the whole damn time. Even better, Plexiderm doesn't involve any visits to a surgeon and costs less than a round of pumpkin spice lattes for you and your friends. 
You can try a six-application trial for just $14.95 with free shipping when you visit triplexiderm.com or call 1-800-685-1292 and say the code VOICES. This order also comes with free shipping and a 30-day money-back guarantee. Make those wrinkles, lines, and under-eye bags disappear with Plexiderm. Visit triplexiderm.com or call 800-685-1292 and use the code VOICES at checkout. Thank you. 